Well, hello there. It is Thursday, February 7th, 2019. A couple huge interviews coming up today. Rex Ryan sat down with us during Super Bowl week, and we chatted about Rex that only Rex can chat about. Football, life, his transition to TV. He is an electric factory. Oh, yeah. Rex Ryan. I love everything about him. And then... We dive deep and go behind the scenes of the WWE with a guy who's been there for 22 years. The voice of the WWE, Michael Cole, gives us a behind-the-scenes look at how the WWE operates, his life as a political journalist before he got into the WWE, covering Waco, which was a cult that lit their shit on fire. I mean, it's it was a 50-minute conversation that dove into some incredible topics. You're going to enjoy the hell out of it. And we're so lucky that you choose to listen every single Tuesday and Thursday. I um I honestly can't thank you enough. There's so many things happening in my life, and I noticed this while talking to Michael Cole. You'll hear it later. I'm the luckiest dude on earth, and if it wasn't for you guys listening and for you listening to everything we got going on here, none of this would be happening. So thank you so much. Next week, we will be on vacation, but Ty Schmidt is putting together a couple best-of episodes of throwback episodes, way-back episodes, basically your favorite parts of our show, right? Correct, yep. And there's a lot of people that might not have heard a lot of these things because we've gained a lot of new listeners. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take it back. It's going to be Ty's picks basically next week. Tuesday, Thursday, you'll enjoy the hell out of that. And then we're back that following week with some heat for St. Patty's Day, whole new interviews, whole new everything. So uh, we're going to take a week off. I'm going to go to Hawaii. A couple boys going to Mexico, Miami. We're going to go hit the refresh, reset. Re- recharge recharge button that hey i knew we'd get there mm-hmm. uh it's gonna be a great week we're thankful for you and ty's gonna put together some incredible shows so tuesday thursday wednesday friday heartland radio 2.0 will still be on schedule it'll just be best ofs which probably be better than normal episodes if I they guess. might be yeah well ty's brain's a lot better than ours so <laughs> let's assume if ty's putting together it's gonna be great and we couldn't do any of this without our friends at SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the greatest ticket buying app on planet earth because they scan all the other ticket buying apps and they find you the most bang for your buck. What you see is what you get. And it's not just for sports, although there's a lot of sports going on right now. Go to a hockey game. You'll love the sport of hockey. Maybe go check out some basketball. Last night in Indiana, Ty got a chance to go to a basketball game. He's a mm-hmm. LeBron James fan. All they did was talk about who they should trade in the entire arena. Pretty much, yeah. You loved it. You go out with your lady. It's a story. Because you're not just going to a live event. You're not just going to a theater show. You're not just going to comedy. You're not just going to a sport. What you're doing is creating a memory. You're creating a story. You're living a little bit. And that's what SeatGeek does. And if you use promo code PAT right now, you get $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. So please go live a little and spend a little with your friends at SeatGeek who are great humans selling elite tickets to world-class humans like yourself. Mm -hmm. And also shout out to Upstart. Upstart is a revolutionary loan company that's changing the game completely. Applying for a loan is a lot like applying for a job that you don't get to interview for. Instead, loan companies make their decisions based off your credit score and history without getting to know the whole you. That's called judging a book by its cover. We don't do that. No, we don't. Now, thanks to Upstart.com, it never has to be that way again. Upstart is revolutionizing the way you borrow money by rewarding you for your job experience and education in the form of a smarter interest rate. Unlike traditional credit underwriting, which could be biased against people with a short credit history, Upstart goes beyond the traditional FICO score when assessing your credit worthiness. Upstart believes you're more than just your credit score. They make it fast, simple, and easy to check your rate in less than two minutes without affecting your credit score. The best part, once your loan is approved, Ty? Yeah. 
The funds? I mean, what's going on with them? Transferred. Oh. Very next business day. Oh. The next day, over 100,000 people have used Upstart to pay off credit cards, student loans, fund their wedding, or to make a large purchase. Maybe get yourself something nice with a low interest rate because it goes beyond your FICO score. Hmm. Not a bad idea. Free yourself from the burden of high interest credit card debt by consolidating everything into one monthly payment with Upstart. Hurry to upstart.com slash heartland to find out how low your upstart rate is. Check your rate only takes two minutes and it won't affect your current credit. That's upstart.com slash heartland. Ladies and gentlemen, Rex Ryan. 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 You get it. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now is a man who's been a head coach for the Buffalo Bills. He's been a head coach for the New York Jets. He's been a defensive coordinator all around the world. He's a legend. He's an ESPN personality. He's a guy that I enjoy immensely and can't wait to chat to. Ladies and gentlemen, Rex Ryan. Adam there you go. Yeah. 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 How you guys doing? Woo. Woo. Man, I like the setup here. You got a little heat going. Yeah, it's not bad. Man, I mean, Atlanta is this cold. Shoot, <laughs> freezing. Rex, I'll tell you what. We had no heat yesterday up here while we were setting this up for the first time. Cold as balls. Did not expect it in Atlanta. There's zero southern hospitality from Mother Nature, but we got to move forward. I have a question for you. What is your football philosophy? Every time I hear you talk about football on ESPN and all your interviews, it's like it's a game that's physical but a lot of fucking fun, I believe, is what you try to pitch, basically. Uh, pretty much. And it's funny because I was reading the other day um, a guy that worked uh, was a secondary coach for me. Uh, just got the Bears defense coordinating job, uh, Chuck Pagano, and he said, "It's my guy. We got you know kill philosophy." I go, "Dude, you flat stole that. Like, <laughs> you like stole that. That's exactly right." And but that that's kind of it because you know that kiss philosophy that yeah. that was for somebody else. But to me, it, it's the you know. It, but that that's really what it is, and 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 get after it, enjoy it, and yeah, it is. It's a physical brand of football. Uh, you know, I grew up. My dad always said that uh, a big hit would, would change the momentum of a game faster yeah. than anything. And and it's true. It's whether your punter's running down the field smashing somebody. Let's go. Oh, yeah. Whatever. Let's go. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Like, but it's it's the truth. Like yeah. it's and, and I think that's the the way the game's still played. And I know, look, there's a lot of different rules, all that stuff. You yep. you can't, you know, take somebody's head off anymore, but you can still be physical and, and I think for the most part, the most physical team wins. Are you trying to get back into coaching? There's been a lot of rumors that you're getting back. I talked to Chuck last week, right? I was very lucky to play for Chuck. Watch him go through leukemia. He's just an incredible human. I think he looks up to you a lot, too. So it's uh, he's a great guy. But talking to him, he said he knew like a week out of coaching that he wanted to get back into it. After he left the Colts, it was like a week where him and Tina, they were getting a little antsy. He was around the wife too much. She was getting sick of it. He said, I need to get back with the team. <laughs> now he's with the Bears. Are you kind of feeling that same way? Or is the well, media helping you a little bit? No, it helps me a little bit. I have a son that's coaching with the Chargers, mm -hmm. so I, I get my fix that way. My brother just got back in with the Redskins, okay. so that helps. But there's no scoreboard in, in, in what yeah, I do yeah. right now, and it's tough when you've been competing all your life and, you know, 30 years I spent as a coach. Um, so, yeah, you definitely miss the locker room. You miss, you know, the competition. And, uh, you, you know, so, that yeah, I, I definitely miss it. And I was tempted to come back in, but for whatever reason, nobody called me. I, I guess <laughs> I'm unlisted. So I don't know what rumors, it is, man. Chiefs rumors weren't, weren't real. No, that was, was so funny. Like, I get a lot of them. I even had one about college or, mm -hmm. you know, something like, oh, he's, he's interested. He's going to, you know, he wants a job at Miami. I'm like, what? No, I'll take the Dolphins. <laughs> I wasn't going to go to the Hurricanes. Now, if Ray Lewis and Ed Reed were playing, maybe I would. When you but, uh, yeah, you know, so 
to me, I got a pretty good gig right here. Yeah. Um, and you do well, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I you appreciate do really it. well. Shoot. I feel like whenever you were doing your press conferences, as a you kind of, I mean, you teabagged the entire league when you mm -hmm. came in. You became the instantly the most entertaining human in the NFL. You became a face almost of the NFL. That's hard not for most must see. Well, not these for Patriots most. fans. Yeah. Must <laughs> see TV though. Anytime you got in front of a microphone. So I imagine ESPN is very excited to have you. Have you like felt comfortable in it? Have you had? To, is there a learning curve to being a TV guy? Like I think there was a learning curve. Like when I first went in there, I'm like, ah. Sh Dude, I never wanted to do it. I wanted to coach, you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. I'm like, ah, hell, I'll, I'll go do this. <laughs> I was a disaster on Monday Night Football. With whatever. <laughs> you know, I'm watching the game like, oh, yeah. You know, who's going to tee me up here? Am I, like, I don't want to, you know, mm -hmm. like end up, you know, you know, do the play-by-play -play or whatever. Yeah. Like, Jim Nance does a phenomenal job that way. He lets Tony Romo go, and I'm like, yeah. God. And Romo's a zillion times better than me. But it was like, hey, God, that so would have been hard. nice. Yeah. Yeah. He's maybe not a zillion, maybe a, a billion <laughs> yeah. times. But it was, you know, and it was funny because I'm like, well, do, do I say something? Because yeah. I'm used to being the lead guy. Like when, when they come yeah. in, it's, you know, a press conference, the mics are there, and I'm the guy speaking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So over there, it's like, okay, sit back, sit back. Okay, sit back. Sit back. Yeah. I missed an opportunity. Is I this me? Up. Is it my go? I'm not great with the language anyway. Let's face it. I wasn't exactly a five-bit kappa. That was my mother. <laughs> but um, so, you know, it, it's just one of those deals. And, and it did take a little time. I'm, yeah. I'm much more comfortable now doing well, it. Well, you were also a movie star. I mean, we can't forget about I, this. I that's say, my absolutely. boy. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's my boy. Was that easier than TV? Wait, you're an actor? Oh, I didn't know oh, you were oh, an actor. Please. A Patriot fanatic. You know, yeah. I was. I, I, I think I dominated that movie. Uh, <laughs> I, I was in there. You know, I mean, it was... They, they had another guy. Uh, what? Adam Sandler? Yep. Yeah. Oh, Sandler yeah. was like the co-star. But mm. I, he's I, a I musician. Thought, yeah, he's a yeah, musician. I, I thought I was the guy that, that carried that show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was you and Dan Patrick, the whole movie, really. That. Yeah. You know, but that was so funny. I get a call Good. from Adam Sandler, and he's like... Uh, hey Rex is Adam saying like yeah right quick fucking guy get my number <laughs> you know what I mean and then all of a sudden oh he calls back no it is I'm like because would you be interested in a movie oh let me think about it yeah hell yeah let's do that you know so that was, that was a cool thing did you take acting classes or you just wanted a no, natural no. let's go dude let's just go and and what what got me though is you know they gave me the script. And so I studied my lines. Like mm -hmm. I wasn't going to be the guy yeah. that was going to oh, screw yeah, yeah. the thing up, Your right? First time, Absolutely. you can't be that guy. No, and and so I'm doing it. I'm just stiff, robotic. Uh, that, 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 like, you could see that I'm trying to remember the lines. But the funny thing is, Adam Sandler's just letting it rip. I'm like, whoa, whoa, you're supposed to say this. <laughs> that's not on you know the what I mean? That, that's not that's not the way this goes. So, it, but it was, you know, it, it was it was fun as heck. And um, oh, look at that with heck right there. You just did it, oh, yeah, dude. I got to, man. I, I can't. I can't. You know. No, but I'm, I'm saying that's natural. Now. Yeah, that's a, now that's a natural I, reaction I, for you. I can't. I can't do what I used to do with coaching. If you get back into coaching, you can you do think it. Oh, I'm going right back to him. <laughs> yeah. F bombs, all that stuff. Let, let's let it rip. When you're watching a game, do you still call plays in your head or think about how you would stop certain things that are going on in the game? Oh, no question. Yeah. Yeah, it's just that that part of it never leaves you, and. You know, some of these defenses that are played today, I'm like, this is a joke. Like, <laughs> who the hell is calling kickers, these the things? Yeah, name, can can you name names? Can you name names? Yeah, they, almost every team in the league. Like, <laughs> it's like nobody's playing defense anymore. Keith and Butler. It, you know, but it, it's like I, I, I watch it. You know, like New England, the thing I respect and admire about Belichick is, look, every game's different. 
it's its own it's its own game. You're going to attack people a mm-hmm. certain way. Yep. His teams are multiple. They do different things. And mm-hmm. by the way, brains still help you win. You oh, want yeah. tough, smart guys, and, and you win with those guys. And if you're going to do – I always love this one. Well, we're going to play fast on defense. Yeah, but in other words, you're, you're not going to coach. You're going to sit back and I'm going to put up my four defenses and just yell on the field. Like, I love these colleges watching them. Guy, I'm coaching his butt off. It's like you're coaching your butt off. You're yelling and screaming and, and have no clue. You're not getting your, your guys in mm-hmm. position where they can be successful. And it's just like, you know, people, oh, we're going we're gonna to play fast. We'll do that to the Patriots. You want to you play fast? Watch how fast their offense goes through you. <laughs> yeah. like, and these last two weeks were a great example of yep. it. Mm-hmm. It's like, really? Oh, you're going to play these defenses? Oh, I was just like, stop. And I Because I, I picked the uh, I picked Chargers. both teams, the Chargers, and my son coaches there. So I picked them, and I Two. picked the Chiefs. I'm like, surely to God they'll know how to play them and all that. And and by you know by halftime I'm like this, it's over. this is a joke. Do you, send, do you send your son a text at halftime like hey we need to make it? Hey what the fuck we do? We're not just playing well, he's fast coaching here. On offense, oh, yes, and, and so it, it Still, was like yeah it was I, you know and I, and I predicted an all LA Super Bowl so I'm like mm-hmm. I'm feeling pretty good. The Chargers come in the Patriots. Hey we can say what we want. This is the greatest coaching job in Bill Belichick's career because wow. that that team I wanted to is talk about not that. even close. To the team that I had to go. I want against. to talk about that. Whenever you became a head coach, both times in the AFC East, I mean, you're being thrown into a buzzsaw here. Probably the, not probably the greatest dynasty in the history of the NFL. Mm-hmm. Probably won't see this for a long, long, long time. You went in there though with some, like you went in there. I'm not kissing the ring. Awesome shit, right? What right. you have to tell your team, you have to sell it. If you were to be, do you think if you go back in time? You would have tried to get a head coaching job outside of the Patriots <laughs> division, and maybe have a because it's one of those things where they had it. A, it was a it's a stranglehold right now, yeah. not on just oh, yeah. AFC East, but the uh-huh. entire NFL. Mm-hmm. Do you think like I want to be a head coach again? Do you want to be a coordinator? What is the future or, or is the media? Well, no, I mean you would take a head coaching job anywhere. So if if you had to go coach in Alaska. And I did show up naked to coach. I'd do it. It wouldn't be good for the league, but I would do it. You know, I would absolutely do it. Um, but that's it. I love the game. I want to be. Uh, I love being the head coach. But as a defensive coordinator, it was great. But you had half the roster that you dealt with. But as a head coach, man, that it, that's your football team out there. And and you know when you talk about when I went to the Jets, it was like, hey, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show the whole league what they've been yep, missing. Yep. For all these years that they passed me over, and so that was like hell. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm here and I'm not afraid of you, and I'm still not afraid. You know, I'd, I'd walk in there with a high school team and still think I could kick somebody's butt. Hey, early in your Jets career with Sanchez, there, yep. you guys put together some incredible runs, like team football, though. You that was like team for like a six round trade. Yeah, yeah, and we I knew we suspended for six weeks immediately. <laughs> so that was a hell of a trade. But uh, uh, I just that was that. a good I, move. We're like, oh, shoot. Steelers guy, I remember on Hard Knocks, you being, we got this guy for a six-rounder. Oh, and yeah. Was like, and then, He's the best player on our field. On, on the field. He's, he's, he's good. so good, so talented, and then we had Braylon Edwards that, you mm-hmm. know, that, that ended up punching LeBron's friend or something like that, so got him, you know, at, at the right price. So I want to encourage other guys to, you know, beat up like legends, friends or something. But, but really, it was, you know, but they're good dudes, man, and they played yeah. hard, and that was the thing. I remember one year we also had Plexico Burris yep. coming off, and so I had those three guys. So every Thursday I'd meet with those three. 
and we go and we have a little ice cream social and all that, and we just we just shoot the. That's awesome. The, Did you learn about two, Oh, I learned so much. We learned a lot about each other, mm-hmm. and all three of us, well, all four of us would would agree that we're all screwed up. <laughs> but uh, you know, I enjoy those guys, man. They they would do anything for me, and and you know, uh, vice versa. Well, I think. We heard this in Detroit earlier this year is that Patricia lost the locker room. And then you hear this lost the locker room. That that normally means that the OGs aren't fucking with the coach anymore. That's normally what it means. The locker room, the OGs are kind of done with the coach. There's either coach hates the OGs or that's kind of how the locker room gets lost. Your teams, it was never like that. Everybody was ready to go to war for Rex yeah. Ryan. That, I mean, that, just like Chuck Pagano, right? Chuck, you will never hear a player from the Colts that are like, I didn't like Chuck. Like, we were ready to go for Chuck. We wish we won more for him. That's like probably the ultimate compliment, right? Is coach is that your players want to run through a wall for you yeah well that's it and and you know what it's and as you know uh it's because you establish a relationship and 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 you care you you're genuine about caring for those guys Mm -hmm. and and that was it and i cared for every one of my players look there are sometimes i hated them but i hate my son sometimes (laughs) so it's you know and, and they'll make mistakes nobody's perfect by any stretch and certainly not me but it was something that uh, these are these are special special guys that play this game and and to me it's you know look football's not for everybody you know all these sissies are putting their their kids in different sports that's on them <laughs> yep. and you yep. know what their kids are going to be punks anyway so <laughs> to me that's what it's about and oh i'm not going to have my kid play yeah, of course you're not <laughs> you know you, we don't want your kid playing anyway you know flag football look it ain't for everybody mm-hmm. but the guys that do play the game they're they're mighty mighty men and and uh, you know i love them all right wrapping this up you went on ESPN where you work on a morning show, okay? Right after a situation happened in a Chicago Bear football game. And you say, basically, in other words, fuck them, Dakota Parker. <laughs> and that caused quite a scene in the brand community here for yeah, Kickers I understand. and Pl- I was asked by 2,000 people. You're a tough guy, too, so I, I don't want I don't uh, want to fight you. No, no. <laughs> but hold on, no. But I got this mic. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I was getting tweet. I got like 2,000 tweets like, yo, did you hear what Rex Ryan said about Cody Parkey this morning? And I like watched it, and I was like, man, that guy's got literally no soul in there. I was like, how can I even feel bad for the yeah. kid? But he has a job to do, is what you were basically implying. Uh, absolutely. It's a yeah. 40-yard field goal. That's, I mean, NFL. So everybody works their, their butt off. How about the corner that had to mm-hmm. play man coverage all day long? How yep. about this guy, that guy, the coach that put the game plan together? You put your team in a situation to, to win those games. Look, we had a kicker, you know, uh, uh, folk hero. When Literally. We beat, beat, uh, yeah, beat it was the, like a 35-yarder on the right hash. Yeah, yeah, but, so. you know, but still, <laughs> he got it done. Yeah. And it was great because it was dead silent in the stadium. And he nails it, and you hear him going, yes, him and me. Yes. You know, <laughs> <Peyton> Manning. <laughs> hey, we called a timeout. We called a timeout. It was oh like. Oh, my God. That was by the grace of God. We're dumbest like, thing we've ever you. done. Thank you very much, because now I'm going to throw the ball to Brady. Right, and Edwards on the corner. Situation, which we didn't have called at the time. But it, it was so funny, because when you bring it up, it's like, when we got that, I'm like. You should have seen what we were doing on the sideline. You're kidding me. Me, Vinatieri, I think oh Peyton, God. everybody was like, yo, what the fuck are we <laughs> yeah, doing? Exactly. It would have been a 50. I think it would have been a like a 53 or something goal. like that. And, and so now your your plays, I'm like, guys, they think we're just going to run the run the ball here. Well, I, get, I got Braylon one-on-one over Son here. Son of a bitch. And I look at, and I look at Sanchez. I'm like, what do you think? He goes, oh, yeah. I'm like, give it to him. Let's go. I don't care what the play, you know. 
I write Z cross, but a book. Throw the ball to Braylon. That was the, the, the technical terms we used. And he makes a great catch. Sanchez puts it on him, and then the rest is history. But, yeah, that was – Jim Caldwell is a dang good coach, but I was like, thank you, Jim. Uh, yeah. You know? yeah. There was a time management guy on the uh, staff – at that time, I think he was the one that told Jim to give the timeout. That guy, <laughs> thank, you, thank you, thank you. I won't you. put that guy's name out there because he's probably looking for work still at this point. Yeah, absolutely. But he got fucking buried in the locker <laughs> oh, room. Oh man, I bet. Because we had a lot of older guys on the team that were like, "Yeah, the team's ready to win." Yes. Like, yep. You have, anytime. Here's the here's the thing. If Peyton Manning's your quarterback, <laughs> you're gonna win. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, this just in, you're gonna win. And yeah. and that's what's so funny where. You look at all these teams and this guy's a great coach. This dude's got Peyton Manning. This yeah. dude's got Aaron Rodgers. Hey, go out there and win with Geno Smith as a rookie <laughs> and you tell me what's going on. Uh, Rex, we got to get you on the driving range here. So thankful right. for you coming. You're awesome on TV. Oh, my pleasure, I'm guys. very That's thankful pleasure, for you coming right. here. and I can't wait to see you coach again because the NFL needs you up there, man. I, I honestly believe that. You see what they're paying these dudes now? <laughs> Fuck. Like, hey. oh, do you want to coach again? Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, I do. Gruden just banked 100 mil. 100 mil, 10-year deal. You know, so you're sitting back, it's guaranteed, and it's like, ah, you know what? Ah, oh, we lost. Ah, we'll get him next time. <laughs> I'll tell you like, what, oh man. Oh, my goodness. He said the Khalil Mack 90 mil is a lot of money, like a month after signing that $100 million <laughs> yeah. deal. It's like zero self-awareness from the incredibly wealthy fucking guy yeah. that just came out yeah, of the and, booth. And Gruden, by the way, this dude can rush the passer. You, not so much. <laughs> you know, so, like, oh, my God. Rex, thank you so much. You're the man. Oh, my pleasure, Appreciate guys. Appreciate it. The fact that he saved himself by saying heck in like darn there, I think he said, incredible move by him. Well, and I just, I'm so used to like hard knocks was what made him so popular. And it, he got so popular because he said fuck like every other word. So I, I was very, very impressed that he's been trained to just basically eliminate that from his vocabulary. His brain putting the brakes on that is incredible because there's an obstacle course happening in your head whenever you're a known swearer mm -hmm. and then you have to go on something, which by yeah, the way, familiar with it. WWE, <laughs> yeah, we're about to just dive into that with my new boss, Michael Cole. But before we get there, Huge shout out to Rex Ryan, by the yeah, way. Yeah, that was awesome. He hung out for like two hours, too. Mm -hmm. Didn't yep. want to leave, he said. Yep. Good guy. I hope he gets back into coaching. The game needs him. Or I hope he gets on TV more because the world needs more of Rex Ryan. Mm -hmm. I love that Dollar Shave Club has everything I need to look, feel, and smell my best. What I love even more is the fact that I never have to go to a store. That's because one, DSC. You down with DSC? Yeah, you know me. DSC delivers everything I need right to my door. And two, they keep me fully stocked on what I use so I don't run out. Here's how it works. Dollar Shave Club has everything you need to get ready no matter what you're getting ready for. They have you covered from head to toe for your hair, your skin, your face, you name it, they have it. And they have this new program where they automatically keep you stocked up on the products you use. You determine what you want and when you want it, and it shows up right at your door from once a month to once every six months, Ty. That's not a bad deal. Well, that's what I do. I have DSC send me toothpaste like every month and a half because mm -hmm. I use a lot of it. They keep me stocked. I never have to leave. My Go into my bathroom, bing, bang, boom, it's already there. Thank you so much to my friends at DSC for looking out for me. Hell of a business model. Hell of a business model. You know? I was trying to find a couple syllables there to get to me because DSC. Well, and I didn't know if you were going to spell it or not. Yeah, because then it's just M-E, mm -hmm. so I'm still missing one there. You get it. <laughs> 
DSC takes care of me. And right now, they've got a bunch of starter sets you can try for just $5, like their oral care kit. After that, the restock box ships regular size products at regular price. So what are you waiting for? Get your starter set for just $5 right now at dollarshaveclub.com slash America. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash America. America. Shout out to Dollar Shave Club. Shout out to America, too. Shout out to a lot of things. <laughs> Shout out to Michael Cole for this interview we're about to do with him. It was a good one. Joining us now is a man who's my boss, a man who's covered cults in Texas. He's covered political campaigns. And now every single Monday night for the last 25 years, he's the esteemed voice of the WWE. Ladies and gentlemen, the handsome, clever, witty Michael Cole. Michael Cole. Uh, that may have been the best introduction I've ever received. Well, see, that's what I try to do. You know, I'm a, I'm a put somebody over type of guy. I like everybody <laughs> to look good, Mr. Cole. I love it. So now I, so first off, the fact that you even have me on this podcast is, at, oh, hang on a second. You know what's going off right now? Hang on. Hang on, guys. <laughs> I'm excited to hear that's the alarm that I set to call you all to be on this podcast today. See, but you were on time. We were late. Here we are. Um, I am so thankful you came on here. I've been asking you to come on my show literally since we started working together. You said, as soon as you sign a contract, I'll come on the show. That happened. Here you are. You're a man of your word. So, listen, A, I don't do this often, uh, very rarely indeed. If you go back over my years of doing WWE, I rarely do interviews. That's the first thing. The second thing is um, I told you I would do this for you. So I'm doing it for you. Um, and thirdly, and most importantly, since you stole my thunder a few weeks back and <laughs> told the world that you had signed with WWE, <laughs> which, which, which you don't understand, when you told everyone you had signed with us, which, by the way, you hadn't. You hadn't inked any contract. My phone blew up. It was like a disaster. And it was like on a Monday, like for Monday Night Raw. Or, or we were taping Raw for Christmas or something. And my phone went insane. So I had to call you up and say, what are you doing? You're not even signed with the company yet. Well, uh, and I told you, I had a throwaway line in one of my podcasts. I didn't even think it was that big of a deal. I was going into Lambeau to call uh, color commentate a game for the NFL for the first time. And I said, also, uh, the WWE has officially offered me a multi-year deal, too. Everything's like going up and up for me. And then that obviously was heard by some people, which I did not expect. And then literally everything I do is headline news. I didn't know we were at that point, And it, it started happening. And you, I apologize for the battle you had to go through over there with the PR squad. Well, nonetheless, as of February 1st, uh, Pat McAfee is officially a contributor with WWE. Look at me, man. Look at me. <laughs> so this, uh, you know, this is actually a um, it's been an, it was an incredible 2018. If you remember, Pat, I mean, <laughs> you and I met on a telephone call and a few weeks later you were doing an NXT takeover and. For some reason, I still can't figure out today, but for some reason, you impressed people. Um, and <laughs> you started doing a few more months of stuff for us, and the next thing you know, you're now a, a, a regular contributor to WWE, and the 2019 is going to be incredible, and I can't wait. I mean, I'm, I'm really excited to have you a part of 
of our team, and I cannot wait to see what uh, what the future holds for, for us. Well, I am so thankful for you. Uh, whenever I was in the NFL and leaving the NFL, nobody would put me on their network. Nobody would put me on TV. So whenever I got a call from you one day, it was before WrestleMania, I got a call and I answered it. It was a random number. I answer it and I go, hello. You know, I have no clue what it is. And uh, Is this Pat? Yeah, yeah. This is Michael Cole. And I was like, fuck Michael. Get the fuck out of here. Michael Cole calling me right now. <laughs> <laughs> and it was uh, he was like no no for real how did that all happen how, would, did, were you a big time follower of mine on Twitter you seem like my demographic right in there <laughs> first, the first off the fact that I first of Pat listen I don't use social media um, you know uh, I, I, I follow it somewhat every once in a while I'll be honest with you I knew Pat McAfee from the NFL I'm a big NFL fan uh, huge New York Jets fan um, had season tickets for years and years and years with my dad um, so I, I follow football regularly and I'd always been intrigued by Pat McAfee. Um, you know, some of the positive and negative things in your life over the years, <laughs> sort, of, <laughs> sort of, a you know, it was always, it, uh, you know, it was always this, you know, cool thing, but obviously uh, we never knew each other. And then, um, you just happened to come to a live event for NXT and do a little bit of a thing with Adam Cole and, People reported back to me and they said, oh, my God, this guy is entertaining. He's a hoot. He loves the business. Um, I sat down with, uh, with Triple H, Paul Levesque, who obviously NXT is his brainchild. And he said, um, what do you think of Pat? We're looking to do something different with our, with our kickoff shows. And I said, damn, let's give him a try. And we threw you on air not knowing what to expect. I, was like, I thought we were going to get kicked off, the tele, uh, kicked off, you know, kicked off TV. Um, but it, it went great. And here we are today. And you know, the future is bright and you know, it's not just going to be kickoff shows anymore for you. You've got a lot of stuff coming down the pipe. I hope. Well, I am very thankful and excited for that. I have been a WWE fan my entire life. Michael Cole is a constant with the WWE for the last two and a half decades. Was your plan always to be the voice of the WWE? I, we were doing some research on you. Mm -hmm. You covered the Waco cult thing in Texas for 51 days with CBS. You were on a political campaign trail. You went to Syracuse. How did you end up with the WWE? Like, I'm very interested. Because now you're, you got me a job. You've taken care of a lot of people. You're, you're a good man with the WWE. There's, it seems as if, though, uh, you didn't know that that was going to be your life. Am I correct with that? No, not at all. So, listen, WWE or WWF, WWF back in the day um, has always been a part of my life. I mean, as, as, as a young kid uh, growing up, my grandmother used to watch. So, uh, you know, I watched with her, um, got away from it in high school, went to college, got back into it because when I was in college, WrestleMania was just beginning. And me and my buddies would go, you know, watch it on closed circuit in theaters in Syracuse. And one of the guys that was a couple of years ahead of me in my class, uh, Craig DeGeorge, um, did some work with, with WWF. So we used to go backstage and hang out with him a little bit. So it always been part of my life, but it was never in a million years that I ever think I was going to be working here. My dream was a, to be a sportscaster, which is the reason I went to Syracuse <clears throat> B once I got out of school and got the news bug was always to be, you know, the next, uh, uh, evening news guy that, that, that was, that was my goal. And, and I was setting my career up, um, in radio, uh, to get there. And what had happened was, by the mid-90s, I had covered just about every major news story on the planet. I was a fireman for CBS News. They sent me around the world to all these major stories. Oh. But I was doing radio. And 
I realized if I was going to be successful in media and make money, which obviously is the goal, having a family, was I had to get some television experience. So I was working in New York at the time, and I was really good friends with Todd Pettengill, who used to work with WWE, who's now a big-time DJ in New York City. And Todd basically said, hey, come in for an audition. Went in for an audition, figured, what the hell, let me get one or two years of television experience so I can have that on my resume reel. And then I'll go back into the news world. Well, 22 years later, I'm still here. So <laughs> You told me, you said once you get in with the WWE, it's hard to leave because it's so incredible. Yeah. Is that kind of how you covered the world with uh, in your news uh, life, but now you're in WWE, which is literally all around the world. The things and places you've seen and been are next level. Uh, have you learned just like to appreciate and love everything that is the WWE or, or is it kind of something you get thrown into deep end and just kind of have to figure out? Well, listen, Pat, the big thing is, is that the thing that I like about the WWE compared to working uh, in news or whatnot is that is even though I trust much now, is the fact that in WWE, you can actually schedule your life. You can actually look at a calendar and say, hey, over the next six months, I'm going to be in these different places so I can actually plan time off with my family, do a vacation, whatever the case may be. Now, you can always do that because if a disaster happens, say the Waco Colt standoff, you go there one day and the next thing you know, 51 days later, you're still there. So it was hard to plan things in that part of my life doing a presidential campaign, same thing, out on the road for, you know, 18 straight months with a candidate. And so it was really difficult to actually have a life. And now in, in WWE, I was able to do that. So with that being said, WWE is the most wonderful company I've ever worked for. Um, they have given me so many opportunities. I've grown up in this company. All you got to do is go back and look at the WWE Network and see how young I actually used to be. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> that's the worst thing about the network, by the way, is you can actually go back and see Hey, I was actually in shape and young at one point in my life, but, um, but no, it's, it's one of these things where I, I just, I, I fell in love with it and, and the company was really good to me and allowed me to be more than just a television announcer. It allowed me to expand my background and I ran the website at one point in my career and I worked on, um, uh, live event promotion at one point in my career and now I'm in charge of all of our on-air talent and it's just they allow me to do a lot of different things and really have grown within the company. And, you know, I, I owe my career and, 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 a, and a lot of what I've accomplished to, the, to, to WWE, to Vince McMahon and Triple H and Kevin Dunn and, you know, Stephanie McMahon and, and, and all of them. I've said this numerous times. I always wanted to be a part of the WWE. And then when you talk to people who maybe had a, a quick run or something like that, they're like, the WWE is the grandest stage of the month at WrestleMania, but the biggest you could po uh, platform possible in this business. Shrewd business people, though. Shrewd business people. That's what they always said. So I expected whenever I got invited to, to do the NXT TakeOver pre-show and go in there, I assumed everybody was going to be a bunch of assholes. Complete opposite. Me and Foxy mm -hmm. have got a chance to meet everybody. With it's a family in there. It is really everybody's nice. They've been so hospitable. Yep. I think that is something not enough people know. A, they don't know that Michael Cole is a hero behind the scenes. But B, the people at the WWE, it really is like a family in there. I, I, and I assume that is a correct assumption by Foxy and I? Well, it is. I mean, obviously, it started out as a family business. I mean, when I started in the company in the late 90s, it was a family business. It wasn't even publicly traded on Wall Street. And now, oh. now it's grown into this 
multi-billion dollar global conglomerate that's, you know, a publicly traded company. And, but, but it's still the thing, Vince McMahon is still hands-on in every single thing that we do. And his family, Stephanie, Triple H, Shane, are very hands-on in everything that we do. So despite the fact that we're this huge company, we're still small and we're still a mom and pop company in many ways because the family is still running things and they make you feel like a family here, which, which is the beauty of it. Now, listen, it, it isn't always roses. It, it, no company is. And it, it, this is a very, very hard life. It's a very difficult life. We don't have an off season. We work 52 weeks a year. We're doing a tremendous amount of programming. Things are going to get even more difficult. when We go to Fox um, starting this fall. But that's the challenges, and, that, and it's what you make of it and how much you want to put into this place. I think I told you, Pat, and I've always told everybody that's ever come to work for this company, when you come to WWE, in order to make this what you want it to be, you have to give 100% of yourself because that's what the company demands, and that's what the owners of the company demand. And you have to give everything you have. If you come into this place and try to half-ass it, it's not going to work. It won't work. You have to live this and breathe this. And if you're willing to do that, the sky is the limit here. You can have an incredible career. You can take care of your family and you can really do well, but you've got to put everything you have into it. So many superstars in this. I think this was during the raw 25 where triple H uh, 25, 25th year anniversary triple H did uh, a little mono shot video where he said, Vince McMahon, has been they're comparing Vince McMahon to other people. I think like Barnum and Bailey's and maybe even some other people. But Vince McMahon has literally created these characters, and the WWE creates these characters, makes them superstars. Then they go on to do incredible things. They're viewed as like superheroes almost. The Rock is one of these people. He's on top of the world right now. Highest grossing actor on earth was just Dwayne Johnson at one point with seven bucks in his pocket before he comes into the WWE, becomes the biggest star on earth. The list goes on and on. Stone Cold Steve Austin, all these guys and girls make a living post the WWE. Is it fun being a part of the creation process of these characters and seeing how the whole thing goes? Is is that a part of the job that you love or is it something that's just a part of the the, the whole the whole business you get it. Oh, I love it. Pat. And, and to see it. the growth of the, uh, of these characters and these individuals to me is, is, is absolutely incredible because what Vince and the creative team does is they give them a template and then they say, listen, go out and paint your, your masterpiece. And the most successful people in the history of the, of the business are themselves turned up a notch. Don't call Steve Austin is Steve Austin with the volume turn sky high. The same thing with the rock. I mean, I always tell people when I had my mini heel run back uh, with a WrestleMania match a number of years ago, that that was Michael Cole turned up a notch, that sarcastic little prick who, you know me now, Pat, Foxy knows me. You guys know who I am. That really is me in real life. That's the type of person I am now. Do, am I as mean spirited and so on and so forth as that, that guy was? No, but you take your character, you turn it up in the notch. And the people that are able to do that, that are able to feel that character, are the ones who are going to be successful in this company. To be here and see a guy like a John Cena come in um, as this young, raw talent and turn himself into the greatest, in my opinion, of all time, and to be there for that entire ride and to be friends with John and see that happen and see how that, 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 that process worked, it was absolutely incredible. To be here when The Rock first started and to see that metamorphosis into superstar, absolutely incredible. 
to see guys like Shawn Michaels, who were here before, you know, before obviously I got here, but then had issues, left, came back, and to see them when they come back and become this whole new person is absolutely incredible to me. And that's the stuff, those are the human interest stories that, that I love about this business, to see the creation of those characters and the creation of those human beings and the growth and maturity of them to see where they come from then to today. I think it's a beautiful thing that's not talked about enough. John Cena only makes bangers, by the way. Ferdinand made me cry. That's a bull movie. Um, Oh, it's just starting to heat up. Mm -hmm. Conversation's getting good. We're starting to learn so many things we never thought we'd learn before. Ain't that right, Todd? Yeah, and it's been great so far. I'm I'm ready for the back half. I was about to say, wait till you see how we close this thing out. It gets good. Mm -hmm. And the room wants to know. The room wants to know. Is played. It's good. We dive deep into old Michael Cole. Right now, it's time to dive deep into your love. Because by now, most of us have started racking our brains about what Valentine's gift is truly going to make her day special. With 1-800-Flowers.com, it's really not that complicated. Roses from 1-800-Flowers are a no-brainer. Right now, when you order early, which is what you're doing, Mm -hmm. you can say forever that you prioritize Valentine's Day and got it done early because of how much you love your lady. When you order early, which is what you're doing right now, 1-800-Flowers has amazing deals on vibrant and romantic Valentine's rose bouquets, arrangements, and more starting at just $29.99. There are so many unbelievable deals from 1-800-Flowers, but you have to hurry. Roses from 1-800-Flowers are picked at their peak and shipped overnight to ensure freshness and her amazement not to forget, gorgeous Valentine's bouquets and arrangements starting at $29.99 is an amazing deal, but it won't last long. Bouquet prices will be going up soon, so take advantage today. Pick your delivery date and let 1-800-Flowers handle the rest. When it comes to Valentine's, I don't settle for anything less than my rose authority, 1-800-Flowers.com. To order Valentine's bouquets, arrangements, and more starting at $29.99, go to 1-800-Flowers.com, click the radio icon, and enter code McAfee. Order today and save at 1-800-Flowers.com, code McAfee, Valentine's Day is an effort holiday. Mm-hmm. Remember that. Remember that. Put a smile on the loved one's face. Make her feel good. Say, hey, my man's a good man. He pre-ordered today from 1-800-Flowers.com and got it for $29.99. It showed up at the door on Valentine's Day, which is a week away. You look like a hero. Thank you very much to 1-800-Flowers.com. Uh, radio icon, Code McPhee, for making everybody look like a hero, a gentleman. Chivalry is not dead. No, With not. 1-800-Flowers.com, radio icon, Code McAfee. Now let's get back to Mr. Michael Cole, baby. You did something that changed the game completely. You, uh, Not you, I guess Renee did it with her incredible hard work, passion, and talent. But putting a female on the commentating table for Monday Night Raw was the first here recently. And you, Renee, and Corey are a hell of a team there on Monday Night Raw. Talk about that whole process and how easy it was because of how talented Renee is. Well, Pat, one of the things, you know, I've been very proud uh, in my career. And one of the things... There, there, there are two things people can say what they want about me. And there, there, are, there are a lot of Michael Cole detractors out there. There are a lot of Michael Cole haters. And th- listen, be vocal, be who you are, don't care. I've been here for 22 years for a reason, because I believe I'm good at what I do. You are. The, t- the, the two them. things that, that, that I've always <laughs> taken pride in what I do in this company is, number one, my work ethic. Nobody can take my work ethic away from me. Um, I, I, I try to be the hardest working guy in the company. That is what I strive for. That's, 
And when I leave and when I retire, I want people to, the one thing I want them to say about me is, man, that guy could work, number one. Number two, I've always taken pride in my career of having the ability to work with any single person that was put out there with me um, and to be able to help them grow as broadcasters, whether it be Taz, who, you know, was a, 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 an ECW guy before he came here. And, you know, I turned, you know, I, I helped work with him and, and help make a pretty damn good team on SmackDown, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And now he's doing morning, you know, morning uh, sports radio uh, in New York. You know, he's, he's doing awesome yep. in his career. And I, 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 I you know, I, I'm so happy for him. I'm so glad he got to that point. But I was able to work with him. JBL, never a broadcaster before, came into the booth and I believe came one of the best broadcasters ever uh, when he had his run a decade ago. Um, you know, being able to, Jonathan Coachman, who I brought to WWE initially his first time around, found him, brought him in. So these are guys that I, I love because I was able to work with them. Corey Graves, another example. Hunter and I thought that Corey had something when he couldn't be a wrestler anymore. Threw him in the booth. Corey worked his ass off for two years to get to the point where he, <clears throat> where he is today. Renee, man, most talented person I've ever, ever, I've ever worked with. She has, she has a unique ability to be likable. People like Renee. They relate to Renee. She's believable. Um, and she's got a great sense of humor. And she, she's, she's that cross between a comedian slash real sports journalist slash wrestling announcer. Tremendous work ethic. Um, and it was just time. It was time to throw her out there, give her the opportunity. And now the fact that Renee and Corey are really close friends, I get along with both of them. It has just this unique chemistry that's never been done before. I mean, think about it. This has never been done before. Um, forget about sports entertainment, but there's never been a regular team of two guys and a girl on anything like this ever. So it's a pretty, it, it's a pretty cool deal. and It's pretty unique to be a part of that. Well, I think you gave so many people opportunities. You ran through that list of people you made their lives better. You obviously want to leave the well, W. Of course, Pat, Pat, one thing I do want to say is I don't look at it that way. I don't believe I made anybody's life better. What I did was I gave them a chance, and these guys, all of them, from Taz to JBL to Renee to Corey to there's countless others, all I did was give them an opportunity to say, hey, can you, do you think you can do this? All of these people, though, went out there and worked their rear ends off to learn how to be a commentator, which you know, Pat, because you're learning, is not an easy thing to do. And they had to, I can't, you know, I don't have a magic wand and I can say, you're a great commentator. It doesn't happen that way. I can say, hey, here's your platform. Go out there and learn how to do it. I can try to coach them, but they have to make this. And all of those people that have been so successful um, here is because of their work ethic. Nothing that I did. I just want to be clear about that. Uh, okay, you definitely helped. I mean, let's not get crazy. <laughs> Speaking of coaching, whenever I got asked uh, to do call a football game, I knew nobody in the field. I knew nobody in the field except for Michael Cole. So I sent him a text the night before because I'd, I was given zero direction by Fox. I was given zero direction by my agents. I was just basically told that I'm calling a game. So I sent a text to Michael Cole the night before. I was like, uh, hey, man, you busy right now? And he's like, no, why? And I was like, well, I don't want to bother you or whatever. I was like, No, actually, no, no, no. You, you, you said it wrong. You sent a text and asked me if I was busy. And what, I, what the answer, I, well, how I actually responded was, it simply said, 
what? <laughs> Forget the niceties. None of that. I just said what? Well, and then I said I didn't want to bother you. I, I think, and then I told you, um, I said I'm getting thrown into a booth tomorrow for uh, a football game. What do they want from me? And you sent me back this two scroller, basically that just I had so much confidence going in there. I I will never be able uh, to thank you enough for that, and also the opportunities that you're giving me with WWE because it was you're the and I'll say this: I think you're the greatest play-by-play guy on earth, mm-hmm. and I don't think you get any credit for it. You you have to deal with a lot. I mean, it's a it's a circus happening. There's drama, there's comedy, there's action, <laughs> there's storylines that are interesting and hard to believe, and you are just a smooth, rhythmic. Uh, you have emotion. It's just you are the top guy. So when you sent me this message, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go fucking just crush in there. I was very thankful for it. Well, Pat, and the thing is, and, and, and I, I remember the advice I gave you, and it's the reason that we hired you. Be yourself. Mm-hmm. That's it. We hired you because of who you are. I don't, you know, I don't, I didn't think that you should have gone into the booth and tried to be John Madden or tried to be you know, uh, Troy Aikman or Tony Romo, you had to be Pat McAfee. You had to bring that sense of humor. Listen, you're a football player. You know the game. Um, you were, you know, one of the greatest punters in history. You know the game. But what makes you stand out? What makes you unique? And it's you. It's who you are. It's how, how entertaining you are. So that's why they want you in the booth, not because they want to try you to try to be some football announcer. You're going to be your, 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 your most unique guy, and that's why we hired you. And I told you from day one, and I know that Triple H has said the same thing to you. We don't want Pat McAfee to try to be a wrestling announcer. That's not why we hired you. That's, that's why you're not exclusive to us. That's why Pat McAfee is going to be doing a lot of other things in the world here in the next uh, number of months, including working with WWE, because we want Pat McAfee. That's what we want. I don't want you to try to be Gorilla Monsoon or Jim Ross or Jerry the King Lawler or Corey Graves or anybody else. I want God! you to be Pat <laughs> um, That's what I want. I appreciate so. you so much. And, and I was going to – my final question before the room has some questions for you. A lot of big fans of yours in here, especially with what you've done with uh, me and Foxy, but also wrestling fans. Triple H – Seeing him hands-on with every decision as a guy who was such a big fan of his growing up has been awesome to see. And now you've gotten a chance to really experience it from him being a performer, entertainer. Now he's full business mogul. I mean, he's a business guy, not only with NXT, but also with what he's doing with WWE. How, how is, and you as well, being in a business decisions, how has that transition been for Triple H? Do you think it's, because he's excelling, it seems, as a business person. Is he going to be an even better like business person than he was wrestler? What do you think? Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt. Listen, he's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the all-time greats, but he has this incredible mind for what we do. Uh-huh. Uh, it's just, and, and, and it, 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 it's just, he knows. I mean, you know, obviously he's learned a ton. Probably everything he's ever learned came from Vince. Um, and now Hunter's been able to take that experience that he's learned from working with Vince. And now he has put his own spin on it. And he's taken brands like NXT and made them different, um, <clears throat> different than any we've ever experienced at, at the WWE level. Um, and that's awesome. You know, and he, you know, he's incredible. He's an incredible guy to work for. And, um, I've learned so much, um, about the business from him. You know, it's one thing to be a commentator. It's another thing to actually understand how the business works. And, you know, 
thank God for guys like like Hunter and, and Vince to actually explain to me and show me over the years how this this business actually does operate. Good handshake by Triple H, by the way. Good handshake. Every time yes. I do it, I get in, uh, like in, I'm never intimidated by anybody in my life. Everybody shits the same. But the first time I met Triple H and Vince, it was a wild moment. It was at WrestleMania. I was like 10 minutes into the thing. I assumed everybody was going to just hate me. And then I talked to Triple H, and he was like the nicest guy ever. And then Vince walks over in a incredible suit and goes, hey, how's it going? And walks away. I was like, holy shit. What a couple <laughs> no of- idea who you were. Yeah, he still does. He still does. Yeah, he still does. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you should have heard what I had to go to his office and explain to him why I was uh, giving a contract to a guy named Pat McAfee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, you know, listen, he, uh, and I'll never forget, uh, did you, have you told the story uh, of the day that um, Hunter called you? And you thought somebody else was calling you. I said, hey, you're going to be getting a phone call, so stand by. Yes. And uh, <laughs> I don't think I've ever told it. I thought Triple H's agent was going to call me because uh, a couple agents wanted to sign me. So Michael Cole sends me a text. It's like, hey, uh, Hunter and his agent or something. Hunter's agent, something in that message from Michael Cole is like going to call you. So I'm at brunch with my lady. And I get a phone call from a number I don't know. So I think it's Hunter's agent calling me, like trying to talk to me, you know? Mm-hmm. I answered. I go, hello. <laughs> it was like one of those because I thought it was an agent. And I hear Pat. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, uh, how's it going, man? I'm like, wait a fucking, this is Triple H. I, think. I was like, Sam, I had to put it on mute. I was like, I, this is Triple H. I got to get up. I left the restaurant, went into the parking lot, and we had like a 10-minute conversation. I was like, yeah, I'll sign with him for sure, dude. If you think I should, yeah, anything you want, Triple H. And I did. It was a wild moment, though. I had to text Michael Cole. I was like, yo, Triple H just fucking called me. And he was like, yeah, so? I was like, what do you mean? This is a huge moment in my life, this guy just calling me i'm on speakerphone with him it's been really cool man really really cool i'm very thankful you're the nicest guy uh i've you've i've ever encountered i think the the opportunities you've afforded me and so many others is great now here's an opportunity just don't screw up pat just do not screw up i mean that's gonna happen <laughs> I, I stood well, that's up why, well listen did you you know tell the story of when we had our we had our big conversation a couple of weeks ago at the royal rumble with uh with me and brian pelagato from our digital team and uh, Jeremy Borash, who works down at our NXT program, and we were meeting with Pat Fox. He was there, and we were talking about what we hope to get from you and what we're looking forward to and this and that, scheduling and everything else. And I looked at you, and you had this look in your eyes, like, what is going on here? And I looked at Foxy, and I said, Foxy, I need your phone number and email information. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, it's, it's, a, it's a steel trap up here, though. I think you've learned that. If it goes, if it goes in these ears, it's locked in. It's locked in. Uh, all right, so there's a couple guys in the room that want to ask you a question. Let's go awesome. to a beautiful segment called The Room Wants to Know. <laughs> That's nice. Thank you. Uh, Todd McComas, 21-year state police detective, would like to ask you a question. Michael, you've spent your entire broadcasting commentating career traveling the globe with reporting on and hanging with some of just incredible historic personalities. I'm sure you got a huge vault of legendary road stories. You mind sharing one of your favorites with us? There we go. God almighty. I mean, there's so many, and there's so many that I can't talk about on on, a of course, <laughs> on the podcast uh, <laughs> either. Um, well, you know, here's an interesting one. This is sort of an overall road story. Um, we used to uh, 
back when the company was uh, was uh, you know, Vince is going to hear this and make me pay him back all his money. But back when the company was private before it was public, when they when they scrutinized everything, um, when it was private, you could pretty much do whatever you wanted. And uh, whenever we did international tours, um, whenever we go out to bars and drink all night, we I I would um, I would pick up the tab every night for an entire tour. 10, 14 days, Gentlemen. thousands and thousands of dollars. And I would go back and turn in the expenses. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, Tony Kimmel, one of our, you know, uh, you know, Tony, one of our famous ring announcers, don't let him know I use the word famous, but um, <clears throat> Tony started to coin it, the coal train. So whenever we went international, every time we were going to go, we had to go on the coal train. And uh, that was sort of how that, how that came about. Ah, that's so. incredible. Just thinking of you <laughs> returning all these receipts. <laughs> you walking into the WWF office at the time after having like five Japanese receipts like for $7,000 worth of drinking. That, I couldn't even fathom that moment. It's, that's beautiful. Zito's been trying to buy a coffin on the Pat McAfee Inc. tab for like the last two months. I couldn't even fathom having thousands of dollars of drinks trying to get an expense. It's oh, yeah. incredible. Uh, the next guy's from Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh uh, grew up friends with Elias, like in uh, Elias's tight friendship group in uh, Plumborough. He's an Italian. Take it easy on him, Nick. What do you got? Michael, you have done it all in the WWE. You're the face of the WWE. You've been uh, the face and voice of the video game series. You've been in the video game series as a playable character, albeit one of the worst ones in No Mercy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but my question is, you're the ultimate company guy. You've done so much. Is there anything they've asked you to do, either storyline or wise or not, that you've said no to? Nope, never. I, and I and I say that uh, without a hesitation. I've never said no uh, to uh, to Mr. McMahon and his company. And I'll tell you why. It's simple. The things that Mr. McMahon has done um, for his company, the things that he's put himself through uh, with Stone Cold Steve Austin and get him his head shoved up the Big Show's backside and all the things that he has done. If the owner of this company, who's a, a billionaire and is you know has created sports entertainment and what he's made it today, if he can do that, there ain't no reason Michael Cole can't. So I've done everything they asked me, including uh, pretty much getting. Um, can I, uh, I don't know if I'm going to say that word, but pretty much being Heidenreich. Let's put it that way. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, in a backstage yeah, back. What does that mean? One point. What does he do? What did he say? <laughs> Uh, uh, Google it. Google Michael Cole and Heidenreich, Pat. You'll get a nice kick out of it. Yeah, it's very similar to the scene in Dumb and Dumber when uh, Lloyd gets trapped in the stall when Seabass comes walking in. Oh. And he has to take the shower afterward. Oh. Like, or or yeah. for the old school the, the old school of us, it was very deliverance-like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, I can't wait to look that up on the internet. Um, so do, with what you just said about Vince willing to do anything, he's still getting slapped in the face and headbutted at his age now. Shane McMahon jumps off of everything. Do they do that so that they want to show, like, hey, we're in this too? Is that kind of uh, – that? that's obviously got to be the mindset by the McMahon family. Well, I think it's everything. I mean, Shane is just – I mean, and I love him to death. I mean – He's just crazy. He's <laughs> there's, insane. There's no other, <laughs> he's he's there's insane. No way, there's, no, there's no other way to describe that because Shane's out there. But it, listen, they, it, 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 you just look what Stephanie did on Raw this past Monday night with Becky Lynch. Look what uh, Triple H did uh, with Becky Lynch on SmackDown Live just last night. I mean, they're still doing it today. I mean, it's being able to put yourself in the positions. Triple H went, went and had a match 
with The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, and Kane, and, you know, Torres Peck. And he's still doing it. Um, so this, it's, it's a love for the business. It's a love for the company. It's a love for what we do. And there's nothing better. You, we can complain as much as we want, but there is nothing better than to go out there when that red light goes on on Monday night to perform and to make people smile. I mean, the highlights of my career were when I had a heel run for a couple of years and, you know, really became the first time. And this is their first for events because this is his idea. The first time in history of, of wrestling that the lead guy, the play-by-play guy, the person who's so supposed to be credible in the audience's eyes, um, you know, was a bad guy, was a heel. The first time it's ever happened. To the point where we actually had a match at WrestleMania. Now, it was the worst match ever in WrestleMania history, <laughs> but we still had a match at WrestleMania. <laughs> so think about that. And so it's because of being able to go out there and, and, and a love for this, and I'd probably be still the heel today if Jerry Lawler didn't have a heart attack, but nonetheless, that's <laughs> here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> That happened live on air. That was a real moment that happened there. Dickhead, yes. dickhead, bad guy Cole was supposed to be a bad guy, but whenever one of your closest friends almost dies, it's hard to be a yeah. bad guy. That was an interesting night. That had to be crazy. Uh, next guy, Jeffrey Gorman, uh, was in the media world for a long, long time. Handsome old man. Mr. Cole, uh, I know you've had a great journalistic career, and I'm going to mention three things, and I want to know where you were closest to injury or even death. Uh, David Koresh, the Waco incident, 51 days, covering the Civil War in Yugoslavia, or the WWE? Huh. <laughs> That's a great question. Sometimes I feel like I'm uh, you know, near that in WWE. No, uh, listen, uh, the funniest thing was, so it's not really funny, I mean, obviously being you know, stranded in Bosnia for uh, nine months on one of the tours we did there was pretty, was pretty frightening and wasn't sure whether we were getting out of there or not, um, but <laughs> Probably this is a this is a funny story. When I was working at a local radio station in Houston, Texas, KTRH, um, a uh, there was a, a really bad fl- uh, flood, and one of the rivers um, was was massive flooding, and uh, oil caught on fire, caused this huge inferno um, on the river. And um, I paid uh, some guy twenty five bucks to take me out in his little boat to get into the river to do reports for the radio station. You're and an the, guy, the, river. the I mean, engine died. River. And next thing we do, we ended up uh, going toward the flames. We were like 55 feet away. I was doing live oh. stuff on, on the radio. My wife was listening, thought I, I had bought it that day. And that would probably was the closest that I've come to really feeling like I'm not getting out of this situation. Wow. Oh wow. my God. Incredible. Michael, I mean, you're a smart guy. I mean, all these things. You got into a river of fire. Like, what are you even... A river of flames. Well, I wasn't thinking about it until you put it like that, but... It's well, much more legendary road story than covering somebody's bar tab. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you that. Uh, this next guy is a uh, gem of a human. He lost 40-some pounds in 32 days. He's trying to gain them all back right now. He's from Chicago. He goes by the name of Zito. Uh, sir, Mr. Cole, um, is there any history behind you shortening your name to go Michael Cole? Or is there like a story behind that? Oh, why'd you pick yeah, Michael Yeah, simple. So my real name is uh, Sean Colthard, mm-hmm. um, middle name Michael. So what I did was, uh, when, I fir- when I first started in the company, uh, I was told that there's only one Sean, and that was Sean Michaels. <laughs> so, you got that. so I'm like, that's fine. So I took my middle name, Michael, cut my uh, last name in half, and made it Michael Cole. There you go. 
Incredible name. Nice. Uh, am I supposed to call everybody by their names, by the way? Because like Tom Pestock lived in my house for a month. Now he's Baron Corbin, and I strictly call him Baron. Like I don't know. Yeah. If- so that's so that's one of the rules of thumb that you learn is that um, you know they're known they're known by their talent name, and there's a reason for that because when you start calling them by their real name all the time, you go on the air in the middle of a match, and I've mm. done it before. Oh. You call them by their real name. Yep. So. Mm. You want to, whenever you're around, you you you, you want to call him by the talent name. Tom Pestock, end of days. <laughs> <laughs> Next question is coming from a Patriots fan. Uh, he's celebrating six rings here heavily. He hasn't taken the Tom Brady jersey off for two weeks. Uh, his name's Loud Ass Connor. Hey, Mike, how's it going? Uh, hey, how are you? <laughs> we talked about The Rock and John Cena. You know, Batista's another guy that jumps to the front for me. Is there a guy in the WWE now that you see uh, on the big screen soon or what? Oh, good question. You know, that's an interesting question because everybody's always asking, um, you know, who's the next guy? Who's the next big movie star? Listen, uh, you know, Roman Reigns is doing um, oh. or just finished uh, doing a movie with Rock, uh, his cousin, um, uh, Fast and Furious spinoff. So, going to be interested to see how Roman does in that. Um, you know, uh, again, Ro- Roman's a guy who I think could be could be that person. He's got those matinee idol looks, uh, really well-spoken, intelligent. Um, so, you know, maybe he's the next guy. Um, Roman Reigns, okay, I have a question for you, a wrestling question. Your thoughts. So, Roman Reigns, John Cena, basically everybody. Ronda Rousey, everybody that is super babyface ends up being hated while they're still babyface? Like, is that, do you guys expect that? Do you notice that? Do you see that? What happens there? Or is the show going to go how the show's going to go? Listen, Pat, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a different world today uh, than it was in this business 20, 25 years ago. You know, social media, uh, yep. the internet changed everything. You know, back in the late 90s during the Attitude Era, if you wanted spoilers, if you wanted to see how fans were reacting to uh, different superstars, different talent that was coming up. There was two ways to get it. You either subscribe to a dirt sheet where you actually got a sheet of paper and read it, or you watch television once a week. Um, that's how, it, so you were influenced by what you saw on your television. So the company, you know, 25 years ago, it was a lot easier to influence your audience. Hey, this is a good guy. Cheer for this person. This is a bad guy. Cheer for the, this person. The internet and social media has changed all that because there is instant feedback on every single person, every story we do, every show we do, there's instant feedback from, from our fans. And also there's instant reaction to what's happening. So for instance, if somebody comes out during the break and they get booed automatically, even if you're not watching on television, People around the world can understand, oh, my God, Roman Reigns getting booed. They're saying he's getting booed during the commercial break. Got There's it. instant um, information that is available. I think that's, that, that's the biggest thing. Social media has changed the game completely uh, in, our, in, our, in, our, in our business. Number two, I think as well, is that there is a perception, um, right, wrong, or indifferent, that a lot of our stars are handpicked to be stars. So when Ronda Rousey comes to WWE, she is a star because she was a star outside of her business. The WWE is going to position her as a star. So people are either going to say great or they're going to boo her, believing that she hasn't earned the opportunity. Look at somebody like Becky, who spent 
15 or 20 years of her life getting to this point where Ronda's only been here a year. So it's natural that the fans are going to, to, to feel for Becky. Roman Reigns, people believe that Roman was being shoved down their throat for years and years and years by the WWE machine, hence the reason they wanted to fight back. Now, that's, that, that's important because the, um, I, I hate to use the word Mark because they're not Marks, they're fans, but the diehard fans, the people who follow our industry, not only WWE, but everything else that's in it, those diehard fans that may be 15, 20% of our audience, they are the most vocal yep. people on social media because they care. And that sometimes influences so many people because all you see on social media are people blasting. I'm going to use Roman, for example, blasting Roman Reigns. I hate Roman Reigns. Boo Roman Reigns. They are a very vocal minority, but a very important minority that I believe the company is finally starting to listen to in a, in, in a good way. So I think there's, social media has really influenced the way that our bad guys slash good guys um, are looked at today. Well, I think that vocal minority, too, they're the ones that are buying the merch, buying the tickets. They're the ones that are not all the tickets, not all the merch, but they all are very active. I think it's an interesting time in the WWE right now. It's cool watching you guys navigate the waters because that's what WWE has been able to do for so many years is just well, dominate entertainment and, and, and adjust. And, let me, and, let me, and you made a really good point there about uh, it's an interesting time because what's going on right now is you – you're really you're, you're serving. You're almost serving in many ways two types of audiences. You're serving your your diehard hardcore wrestling audience, um, and you know Triple H um, realized years ago that these people, many of them, seemed to be turned off by the the core of our product. They didn't want to have as much entertainment. They wanted more in ring wrestling. So. What does he do? He goes out and forms NXT, which obviously is, has this unbelievable underground flavor to it. Um, all you have to do is look at halftime heat. Near, guys, nearly 3 million people watched halftime heat. Let's go, NXT. We were one of them. We had it on the TV it's here. Incredible. So we're able to grab that niche audience with NXT, but you still have your SmackDown and Raws, which still has the not only the hardcore audience, but also has the very, the casual fan who will come and go, who will turn on raw during WrestleMania season. and may not go back to it until, you know, the summer when there's nothing else on TV and then goes away during football season and comes back in January for the WrestleMania run. Those casual fans, you have to keep those fans happy as well, which is why the mainstream stars of John Cena, Ronda Rousey, Roman Reigns, people like that work. Rock oh. comes back. Undertaker makes an appearance because of that casual audience so it's a really tricky thing within our company to be able to please everyone and try not to alienate the hardcore fan who is with us 364 days a year it's a big hug it's a big hug from the <laughs> the the national the the average fan and then the diehard fan everybody's just we're just trying to make one big hug and uh, put out one good show <laughs> I love NXT, by the way. Oh, I, oh, yeah. I obviously have only... Well, you better we're paying you to work there. I know. <laughs> but, but, hey, it is the greatest sports entertainment on earth. The, the, the oh, athleticism, no and what Ricochet and Johnny and Tommaso and the whole Undisputed Era, what those guys and girls, the girls in the NXT are incredible, too. What they can do 
in the ring and around is next level. It's like Cirque du Soleil, but it's uh, a full-on wrestling. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, next question comes from uh, Foxy. Foxy has a question for you. Yep, Mr. Cole, for those that don't know, you are basically in Pat's ear directing the NXT pre-shows, correct? Yeah, well, yeah. Well, so basically what I do is it's part of my job is beside being an announcer on Monday Night Raw, I'm also the senior director of on-air announced talent, which which is a number of roles. Number one, uh, it's to go out there and identify and find uh, announcers that uh, want to work for our company and that can fit into the culture of our company, i.e. i.e. Sam Roberts right. on the NXT pre-shows. The other thing I do is I work with talent um, at the NXT level and also at the, at, at the, at the other level. I'm, I don't do SmackDown, so one of the things I do is I'm behind the scenes I'll help produce the announcers, help them get ready for the show. From an NXT standpoint, I'll work on the pre-show. And basically, I'll sit down with talent during the afternoon, and I'll get their thoughts and their ideas and how they want to handle certain segments and certain interviews. And, you know, Pat may have say, say you know, most of Pat's stuff's ad lib, which is hard because I never know what the hell he's going to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, we may, we, you know I, may, I may have a specific direction. Hey, Pat, I need you to take this direction on this particular character. And then they go out and they do their thing. Um, and so, you know, that's, I, just try to, I just try to steer them okay, in the right it. direction. I never want to tell them what to say, how to say it, how to do it, because we've hired them for the uniqueness. I just want to steer, steer them in the direction of what do we have to cover to be able to sell this match or to sell this show. Okay, two questions then. Was there ever a moment with Pat where you were like, oh, shit, like this is not going to work? And my follow-up question is, what was the exact moment where you're like, okay, Pat's an idiot, but this guy's going to fit into the family for Easy, sure. <laughs> That's in his words, not my words. That's what, he, so, that's what Michael would say. So, so, the, so, so the first part of that question, um, I, I never know when Pat's going to go off the rails because Pat is smart in the fact that he never gives me everything in rehearsal. <laughs> so... So Pat will say, yeah, I'm going to do this, or yeah, I'm going to do that, or we'll do a certain thing, a certain way in rehearsal. And then when it's live, it's completely different than we rehearsed. So I, <laughs> I want a natural I pop. Him. I want a natural <laughs> pop. Well, it's like when you jumped up on the desk the other day with your, to show your shorts off <laughs> for, for some um, Well, they were but, referenced. Yeah, but but <laughs> Evan, to answer your, your second question, I knew the first five minutes that Pat – was on our, I believe your first takeover pre-show was Mania, right, Pat? Yes, sir. Okay. That the first time I knew Pat was it was within five minutes of that first show because it was different. He was doing things, reading graphics, talking about stories, describing characters in a completely different way than I'd ever heard before. And then I realized why. It's because he wasn't and isn't a WWE guy. Yep. He wasn't using the WWE terminology and he wasn't using, you know, he was, he was describing the characters and the superstars and the stories in a way that is unique to him in a way that I'm sure you guys sit around and discuss when you're watching the show. And that's what's, that's what I love. And that's what I don't want to change about Pat. As soon as Pat becomes a WWE guy, we use we lose all that uniqueness. Hey, I, that means a lot because whenever the, you started the show, we st we sold the matches, right? So the way it goes is 
Like you get the matches like, hey, we're going to have a this match sell, this match sell, this match sell. And it, this is my first time doing any WWE thing. So I I know that these things happen, but I didn't know how they come about, right? Because there's always something happening, how the sausage is made behind it. So I think they were, I think you guys, I don't know if you were worried or, or no, nah, maybe not worried. Just had to be getting a little apprehensive. So I only got to sell one match, right? So mm-hmm. Sam sold like two. I think Charlie sold one. And then there was one match left that I got to sell it. And I want ham like it was an intro. <laughs> I, I, went, I was like, here we go. And I absolutely, that's like one of my favorite things to do is to sell the matches just to see. Because I hype up fourth downs. I mean, fourth downs are things that nobody likes. And all, all I do is make videos hyping it up. Like, I enjoy the hyping of things. I enjoy it a lot. Producer uh, who went viral this last week for saying the word Jesus in front of Tim Tebow with Tim Tebow's response. Oh, of, God, that's awesome, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it was a magical moment. I lost my shit. I don't know if you saw, obviously. Uh, Ty Schmidt. Uh, Michael, uh, you've obviously called uh, a ridiculous amount of incredible matches over the course of your career. Are there one or two that stick out as being like the most special or memorable to you? Yeah, there's actually three. Um, and, and the reason I, I say that is um, because uh, I, I am asked this question a lot, and I've had to think about it over the years because, I mean, we're calling, what, eight matches a night, 52 weeks a year plus pay-per-views. I mean, over 22 years, that's probably 5,000 matches, right? Jeez. So there's three to stand out. Number one was the Mick Foley title win. Um, only because, because it, was, it, was just, it was history. It was the night that Shivani went out and said, don't turn to Raw because Mick Foley wins their title. And, <laughs> you know, swing. everything what changed at that point. Uh, plus, I was new. I was green. Jim Ross was sick. He... He had a, a bout of Bell's palsy. He couldn't be there. Um, I had to take over for a couple of months. I had no earthly idea what I was doing. No clue on even how to how to tell a story or call a wrestling match. And um, you know, it, it, I went out there and I just I did what I did on emotion. And it's like playing golf. Like if you've never played golf before, you go out and play nine holes of golf and hit the ball pretty good. You go, God, this is easy. You do it for a couple of weeks, then you start thinking about it. And once you start thinking about it, you suck. Mm-hmm. So this was still in the infancy stage of my career where I wasn't thinking about things. I was just going out there and doing it. Um, so that was the number one. The number two one was the Undertaker Brock at WrestleMania when uh, Brock ended the streak. Um, because I know most of the outcomes. I didn't know the outcome that night. And when, if you go back and listen to the call, when Brock hit him with an F5, I assumed because I had no idea the streak was ending. I assumed that it was going to be a kickout. And I called it like I almost knew one of the things in, in our business is every finish could be the end of the match. Well, I didn't think it was the end of the match. I think psychologically it was like F5 and one, two, and then when the three happened, I just stopped. Everybody stopped. <laughs> and you're like, holy shit, what the hell just happened? And it's like, okay, um, the streak's over. And that's basically how I, I presented it. And so that was the second one. And, and my, my favorite match of all time um, ever was uh, the night that Eddie Guerrero beat Brock Lesnar for the uh, championship um, in San Francisco, California at the old Cow Palace. That, to me, was my uh, favorite call. I believe the best call that Taz and I ever had as a team. Um, but more importantly, um, just because it was Eddie. You know, Eddie and I uh, were real good friends. Um, you know, real close with Vicky uh, in the family as well. And uh, just to see Eddie have that moment um, and to be able to be there and call it for Eddie, 
because um, no one in a million years ever thought Eddie Guerrero was A, going to win the championship, and B, Brock Le- beat Brock Lesnar to win the championship. And it happened. And um, that was just one of those incredible moments that you know I'll never forget. And it, was, it was the highlight of my career. Well, Mr. Cole, Michael Cole, boss man, cult guy, river of flames guy, <laughs> political campaign guy, an incredible coach, mentor, and voice of the WWE. I appreciate you so much for joining us. You're the absolute man. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Cole. Thank you. Man. Hey, Pat. Can I just say simply that I want to just you know reinforce to everyone that you are a contributor. You're going to be a part of wwe program um going forward you're going to be providing a lot of stuff on a digital platform Uh, i think one of the beauties uh, of our relationship pat is i don't think anybody's you know i think the only place that they're positive that you're going to show up on a regular basis is going to be um at uh takeovers um but other than that i think it's going to be pretty cool because you never know when something's going to drop on our platforms from Pat McAfee and I think that's going to be pretty incredible and I'll tell you I'm really proud of what you accomplished Pat and you know I don't want to turn this into a love fest I'm not that type of guy you know that but I'm really happy and uh you know that you and your team and especially Foxy more importantly than you uh, are actually (laughs) on board here and uh I can't wait to see what we're going to create together and my dream one day down the road before I hang up and retire is actually call uh, a Monday Night Raw with you. I think Let's go! Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be an honor of mine, sir. I appreciate you. You got a great team right now, and I'm just excited to join it. And I can't wait to see what magic we can make. And I can't thank you enough for the opportunity. You're the greatest, ladies and gentlemen, the greatest man of all time, Sean Coltard. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> hey, thank you so hey, much. By the way, you know we never we never never talked about you know. You know, ever switching your name. I know. There was never even a thought. I just assumed that since uh, it's already known for being dumb enough, my name, Pat McAfee, we just stick with it. <laughs> can, can, I leave, can, can I leave you guys with a question? Yeah. That you guys can debate, you know, for forever and always. Yeah. If I had, if I had to change Pat's name, what would, I ch- what would we change it to? Okay, there it is. That's the Twitter question. Uh, Tag me in it. Michael Cole says he doesn't check social media, so let's just blow up his phone so the notifications go crazy. (laughs) Tag Michael Cole in it. Uh, Tag the NXT in it and tag the boys in it, and that's how we'll end the show. And if you get the best answer, best name, something that pops Michael Cole, makes him laugh, uh, we'll give you some free merch from store.patmagnishow.com. We have a huge St. Patty's Day line coming out. Uh, Thank you all so much for listening, and thank you so much to Michael Cole. Have a great day. Ty Schmidt. Hit the music. I've been staring at the edge of the water long as I can remember, never really knowing why. I wish. I could be the perfect daughter But I come back to the water No matter how hard I try Every turn I take, every trail I track Every path I make, every road leads back To the place I know where I cannot go Where I long to be See the line where the sky needs to see It calls me And no one knows Go
telling how far I'll go. I know everybody on this island seems so happy on this island. Everything is by design. I know. Everybody 